on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Is Space Jam anything more than a merchandising opportunity for Warner Brothers and Michael Jordan? Does the Chicago Bulls documentary The Last Dance make this more interesting in 2020? Is there anything funnier in Space Jam than Bill Murray playing Bill Murray? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and sometimes the not so great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host John O'Peck and joining me we have Hoop Dreams uh, co-host Matt Tilby making his Comedy Rewind debut. How you doing Matt? Man I'm excited. I'm very excited to be here John. Thanks so much for having me. That's all right. We also have Brendan White. You might remember him from such podcasts as The Hungry Gamers, the Hungry Game Show, and also Comedy Rewind. How you doing, Brendan? I am doing great. Just can't get enough of me on these podcast airwaves these days. So thanks for having me back. Hopefully I don't embarrass you for a third <laughs> or fourth time here on the Comedy Rewind. Oh, uh, we'll see. And uh, you might recognize our collective voices from Hoop Dreams. Of course, Matt helms that podcast with us. And mm. we've been covering uh, The Last Dance lately, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan documentary. So what better time to dig into one of my childhood favorites, Space Jam. Uh, this was a tough one. This was this hurt, I have to say, going back to really? Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, look, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you'll definitely get into it in a sec. Like, I probably watched it when I was very young. Like, I don't have too many memories of watching it when it sort of, around the time it came out, sort of like mm-hmm. late 96, early 97, because I was maybe four or five at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had no issues with it watching it, you know, yesterday when we <laughs> wow. before we recorded this, but you know, we'll 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 dig deep into yeah. it, I'm sure. That's good. I'm glad we have some variance of opinion. Uh Brendan, why don't we start with our personal memories of uh Space Jam going back to nineteen ninety six, the summer of ninety six. Yeah, going way back to, to nineteen ninety six. I was a spry young ten year old, uh world at my feet in the snowy mountains, you know. I remember going to Watch this at the Kuma Twin Cinemas. I think I've said that for most of the comedy rewinds yeah. on here. The good old Kuma uh, Twins. Yeah, yeah, the Kuma Twin Cinemas, but they only had one cinema. So I don't know where the naming convention came from from there. But anyway, yeah, check that out. Went and watched that with a few of my my mates. Uh, and it was sort of peak NBA fandom for me. This was sort of where basketball really sort of sunk its hooks into me. Not tied directly because of this movie. Don't, don't like mistake me for saying that, but... I was a big basketball fan as a kid. Uh, myself and and a couple of my best mates at school were, were pretty good basketball players. You know, we were some of the best in Kuma. Doesn't really say much for a small town in the Snowy <laughs> Mountains, but you know, we used to call ourselves the Nike Brothers back in the day. Jeez. And um, we we had a basketball team called Takes the Cake, like in the in the local weekly league. Nice. And we went undefeated for two seasons, and we beat one team one week. 110 to 6 because we had to let him score some points so wow. we were we were pretty good we were really really good and um yeah so, so this movie it just sort of brings all that full circle just thinking of um the, the local basketball tournaments then playing you know regionals and, and state and stuff mm. like that and just sort of playing two on two or three on three at school at half like at, at lunchtime and at recess and you know, basketball was just sort of pouring um, through my through my being, um, and sort of on the court, off the court. I was just living it. You know, I had basketball posters on the walls. I had you know jerseys from from teams I didn't really know. I had jerseys from teams that I adored. Like this for me, like I was a big SuperSonics fan. Uh, 
up until about here, but then obviously the Raptors came in in 95 and I started to sort of, my passion for the Seattle Supersonics waned and went towards the Raptors due to my obsession with dinosaurs. So um, I sort of said goodbye to Sean Kemp and the glove and moved on to the bottom feeding Raptors. But uh, yeah, just just childhood. That's all this, this movie does for me is makes me think of me sort of draining them from deep or just, you know, working that paint. You know, I sort of played a little bit more like a power 40, but I had a little bit of range. Maybe I was one of those early stretch bigs, you know, back in the day. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my story. The first stretch four. I've got a similar story. I probably was it was in the infancy of my interest in basketball i remember i was playing in an under 10s league so being nine years old must have been around that time as well when this came out went to watch it with a friend in warrnambool at the cinema the capital cinema and i loved it it was uh i don't it's hard to really pinpoint because it was so long ago but i was obsessed with michael jordan around that time and i think this movie is a big reason why like we all knew michael jordan but it wasn't really easy to get access to NBA games apart from, you know, NBA action would play on Saturday mornings, Channel 10, and give you like the top 10 of the week, some highlights of what had happened throughout the week. And that was fantastic. But this was like, you know, you get, you're getting to see Michael Jordan, his personality, you're getting to see uh, well, what we thought was his personality at the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting to see him playing Duncan, like Duncan on aliens' heads and uh, the highlights at the start of the movie. It was all just so exciting. And I watched it on VHS more than probably any movie I've ever seen. Like I would have legit Damn. watched it like 15 or 20 times as like a, you know, through till probably like 12 years old. So the next few years. And yeah, I, I mean, I just loved it. We had the PS1 video game, which was basically like NBA Jam, but th- uh, three on three and not a very good game, but we loved it again because it was Jordan and Lo- Looney Tunes. And I mean, I could pretty basically recite the whole movie and watching it yesterday with my nephew and niece, I found that I still pretty much knew it word for word. So Coming into this very high on Space Jam, I was probably a defender for a long time of the movie because, you know, the the deeper I've got into basketball culture as an adult and basketball Twitter and everything, there's been kind of a consensus from bloggers and NBA personality, like media commentators, that this movie sucks. And I was always like, what are you talking about? But uh, watching it as an adult with my critical goggles on for this podcast, it's hard to kind of argue against that it does have some things that i think hold up really well and still make me laugh we'll get into that but yeah like it's it's almost impossible for something like this to live up to what my original experience was with the movie i think as well though we've we've got to sort of look at it through the the prism of comedy rewind as well because like correct me if i'm wrong Jono, but this is probably the first movie in the the sort of podcast that's probably more aimed towards a a child's audience oh yeah it's a kids Um, movie straight up yeah not only that but like this is probably one of the few movies where the the main character so to speak like you've obviously got bugs bunny and and is the the villain yeah (laughs) but the main character is technically not an actor so i I think we've got to give it a little a little bit more um yeah. A little bit more leeway, a little bit more forgiveness, I think. But Michael Jordan's acting isn't one of my issues, believe it or not. It's uh, I think he did just fine, really. There's there's far worse NBA superstars <laughs> acting in this movie. Let me tell yeah. you now, my yeah, goodness gracious me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it's a fair point it's a kids movie i watched it with my nephew and niece who are like eight and nine years old and they loved it like i asked them at the end of the movie i was looking for a bit of you know childish perspective and they both said it was great i said what did you like about it and they said everything what didn't you like about it (laughs) basically nothing so it still appeals to kids which is great so it ticks that box but there's so many movies that are for kids that don't make you want to like you know rake your eyes out like all the pixar movies and everything obviously there there's like late there's layers to those films and you still get that here like all the bill murray stuff is just like gold to me even yeah as an adult like that makes me laugh out loud but there's only like the looney tunes stuff is almost void of like adults like being able to appreciate it as an adult but as i keep saying we'll get to that we will dig deep into that uh, we might kick it off by saying $80 million budget on this film. It made $230 million worldwide, which is pretty up there for the mid-90s as far as the success you can get from, from a comedy. Yeah, that's decent. Mm. Yeah, and the story of this film is quite interesting. Like We all obviously watched The Last Dance and saw Jordan running around with the green screen and the, the dudes in their green man outfits. <laughs> so I good. saw the exact scene where he's sort of like hemmed in or triple teamed yeah. by the monsters. And I was like, that meme of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's sitting up on the couch and yeah, he's pointing. pointing. It's like, that's that scene. That's the yep. scene. Like, um, yeah, like you could, you could always just see it you know happening and i think now that we've come into this having watched the last dance where they sort of discussed certain parts about uh space jam it sort of gives us a a different view on it Mm. um if we'd have watched space jam first and then saw it i feel like it might have you know tarnished it a little bit but i think for (laughs) me it sort of it sort of made it a little bit more fun in a way like you 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 sort of got the idea of what was happening because like you sort of talked about it there like we we know the history of Jordan like he he retires from the Bulls in his prime and and goes on to play baseball and um, if I was a kid and and saw that I'd be like what? like Michael Jordan going to play baseball? like me not knowing that that was a thing that actually happened so Mm. um, having that sort of idea of his career having watched The Last Dance gave me probably a better appreciation for some of the things in this in this um, in this film like even calling his his pet dog Charles, like, yeah. like a, as clear a, a dig as you can probably get. So yeah, I, like I think that. it just it, it just helped us appreciate it a little bit more. I think it is. Uh, I do like that they incorporate like that real life kind of storyline into the movie, and they poke fun at his like prowess or lack of prowess in baseball. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why he's mistakenly derided sometimes for how well like how well he played baseball is because of how much they make fun of him in this movie when as Mm. we saw in the last dance like there was probably worse players than him um but brendan i can see you shaking your head at at tilby over the last couple of minutes oh just just trying to justify this as a good movie i think and and saying (laughs) Ah. that the last the last dance (laughs) makes it better than the sum of its parts or something like i like it's it's it is what it is like i love the looney tunes i grew up on that, I think as most kids our age would have, um, you know, a steady diet of, of Taz and Bugs and Co. And yeah, then then sprinkle in the largest sports star of, of that era too. Like it's it makes sense. And 
this movie did exactly what it was intended to do and that was to make money like the merchandise and all the other crap that they Hmm. pulled in off the back of this to generate that money and then also jordan just like probably the last dance uh he has final say on what what goes to screen so it just feels like there's just a lot of good bloke him of himself with jordan with all this and i sort of see it in that light especially after watching the last dance and sort of seeing how some things are portrayed or not played out or addressed or not addressed i'm sitting there going yeah you you control this entire narrative mate you are you are the game master and we're just watching along and that's that's how this movie was as well well it's the thing it's like we obviously heard from the last dance how he had this this constant itch to prove people wrong and there were certain times in the movie where like the monsters would be like what are you chicken and he's like chicken and then if it was you know real life last dance sort of stuff this is like and this is the point where I dropped 60 points on them in one mm-hmm. half and, and, and like, yeah. you know, don't mess with black Jesus. And, you know, it, it's very clearly him trying to pass himself off as, as a bit of a, you know, a nice guy, like you said. But yeah, look, yeah. I, I never said it was a fantastic movie. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying as someone who didn't really get to watch it in its original release period, I guess, um, I thought it wasn't too bad. I'm not saying it was great, but it certainly didn't, you know, leave me almost depressed like Jono had been. So, <laughs> nah. I mean, I knew what I was getting into, because like, I know the movie so well. I think I did know deep down that it probably wouldn't stack up. But anyway, uh, so Warner Brothers at the time of making this, I'm reading this from a, a Vulture article by Nate Jones. They were looking to reboot the Looney Tunes and David Falk, who's uh, Michael Jordan's agent, sold the concept to the studio basically as like a merchandising potential and for box office appeal. Brendan, you mentioned merchandise before. It made $1.2 billion from merchandising, which is That's just insane. insane. Yeah. Like, and like... You, you just see... You still see those... The Tune Squad jerseys today. You do, like, yeah. And that sort of stuff. Like, the legacy of, of that movie probably won't live on in the fact that it's, you know, it's kicked looney tunes up the ass and, and you know put them back into the public sphere it's it's the jerseys and and the, the sort of sports merch like yeah i i couldn't go to a, a music festival within the last you know five six years without seeing one tune squad jersey <laughs> like it, it happened so it's clearly struck a chord with you know people both young and old yeah and at the time like i don't know if you remember Tilby, but tarzos was where it was at with yeah. the Space Jam Tarzos. Like, yes. I've got mine just in the cupboard back there. I had them out the other day and I had so many Space Jam Tarzos. Nice. Complete set or? Nearly. I used to, but not anymore. Oh, not what not happened anymore. along the way? I think I gave them away. You know how you get with them? You start trading and wheeling yeah. and dealing and, and upgrading. I think I traded some mine away for like GI Joes and stuff right, back sure. in the day. Like I was hustling on that schoolyard. Don't worry about that. You could probably just like go onto eBay and sell them for a good good profit now because i i think like crazy bones and stuff like that was was you know pretty similarly going for a high price recently so i think it was like 80 bucks for a complete set so not not a fortune but something Mm. but yeah the the holographic ones were the best where it would like show you like a clip from the movie as you turned it and Yeah. yeah it's funny like watching the movie and being able to pinpoint all the like clips and moments that were immortalized as tarzos they need to bring stuff like that back. Bring bring back more things in chip packets, I say. Mm. You know, mm. get, get me excited when I'm eating my twisties. Well, more excited than I already am. <laughs> We're already eating the chips. Either that or, or full full CDs in uh, in cereal packets as well. Yes. Age of Empires. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, Brendan, like it was giving Jordan that squeaky clean image a, a bit of a boost for that kind of uh, advertising side of things. It gave him a role that he could play as himself rather than like Shaq trying to be a genie from a boombox in Kazam, <laughs> which will definitely never happen on Comedy Rewind. And a bunch of like cross-promotional opportunities with... Uh, well, there's a scene where Wayne Knight literally lists everything that Jordan's a sponsor for, you know. Get your hands on, lace up your Nikes, we'll grab a Gatorade and a Big Mac on the way to the ballpark. Uh, not to mention all the Air Jordan like shots and, and that kind of thing. I was going to say, like, yeah, like moving into... Because you were, you were about, I think you're about to ask, like, what the ni- most '90s moment is, like. Soon, yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wayne Knight Calm in your general, bum, mate. <laughs> yeah, I don't my know. Hosting, <laughs> my hosting urge is coming out. Look, Matt, this, this is your first time. You just have to, you just have to sit back, and we'll get to it. <laughs> so, we'll go Rotten Tomato score. Anyone want to guess the the number we got here? If you haven't already looked it up, I haven't looked. I'm gonna say fifty-four. I'm okay. gonna say. 62 mm. 43 much Ooh. lower than both Whoa, so geez. not not fresh definitely rotten <laughs> uh, i've got a couple of reviews here which i find quite interesting from the time so the chicago tribune said its timing is blessed its audience is guaranteed its technique is spectacular and it has two co-superstars that almost universally admired and liked God. so that's a glowing review there from the local boys in chicago <laughs> And then, uh, by contrast, the Time Magazine review says, the movie could have been a gleaming showcase for cartoon wit. Instead, it's an 87-minute commercial peddling sainthood for Michael Jordan. (laughs) Ding, (laughs) ding, ding. Brendan's nodding. That was definitely written by a Knicks fan, I think. This movie flew by. I was surprised at how quick it was. I didn't fly. uh, (laughs) I I was taking emotional charges to the heart for... You know, ninety plus minutes like the flagrant it's... foul to the oh uh, my the, goodness, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I it's like an hour to... twenty. Yeah, it's it's a long it's a long beast <laughs> of a thing. All right, so the number one song when the movie released in November nineteen ninety six in the US, the Billboard charts had "No Diggity" by Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre. Yes. I thought it would be. Yeah, I was like, you thought it would be? Wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and like I did my research. To be honest, okay. <laughs> I I thought like thinking about this and because I, I I blasted the soundtrack a little bit and we'll probably talk about that more later too. I mm-hmm. thought that I believe I can fly would have been the number one for sure because I, I assumed it would have been out just prior to this movie to get a little bit of hype, obviously because it's sort of yeah. I'd say like there is a few songs there is obviously a song called soundtrack. Space Jam, but it yeah. is it is probably the song I attach to this movie more than than some of the other tracks mm. and. Yeah, it was obviously R. Kelly before the the closet R. Kelly stuff, so he was still <laughs> pure of soul back then, or at least to the public eye. Not his yeah, not his, knee I, his gun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if uh, I believe I could fly. Made it to number one. Uh, that's a that's a pretty tough thing to do, but I'll give you a, a chance to actually guess because the aria charts are a bit different, and the movie came out in December over here. So what do you have for that? In '96. Yeah. So I was ten. December 96. And it's a song that you'll be like, ah, what I tell you? It's not like a Mariah Carey song? No. It's like peak, almost peak 90s, the artist and um, the song. Oh, I think it's too early for Savage Garden. I know they sort of came out near the think back bigger. end. Think bigger. 
Think bigger. It's not yeah. Hanson, is it? No, not quite. It's there's a similar level of like cult status involved. Did the Backstreet Boys? No, not quite. That was probably before their time. Yeah, slightly, I think. You're not going to guess it, are you? No. <laughs> Rip Any the last... bandaid off. It's uh, Spice Girls, Wannabe. Oh, uh, their, yeah, their, their debut track, yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to What Have You Done For Me Lately, which, you know, Michael Jordan, currently the uh, owner of NBA team Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> uh, hasn't done many movies lately. The sinking ship, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> yeah. Mm. He was in The Last Dance, so he's probably, you know... As far, as far as his non-playing career, probably the most relevant he's been since retiring, I'd say. Mm. Uh, Bill Murray, obviously, in this movie, Zombieland sequel came out this year. I think it was no, it's last late year. last year. Yeah, I never saw that. But not bad. Double tap. Yeah. Not bad at all. I have to say, back to back Bill Murray episodes of Comedy Rewind here with uh, Groundhog Day being the most recent one. Oh yeah, uh, Wayne Knight. Who's been mentioned already? Blind spotting he did uh, in 2018. I didn't know this, but he played Penguin in the Harley Quinn animated series that came out. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, quite recently. I no, still but... need to watch that. It's it's getting good good reviews, but sadly we don't have access to the DC streaming platform here in Australia. Right. So uh, pirate it. Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> it's just two episodes there, but um, yeah, I'm sure the Penguin would approve of the the piracy. Uh, Danny DeVito is also in this as uh, as you know the villain Thwackhammer. He's obviously doing Always Sunny uh, in uh, Philadelphia, which has just been renewed for I think a record fifteenth yeah. season. That like that for me is like his career renaissance almost. Yeah. Like going Definitely. going to Always Sunny after a couple of years of not really doing too much. Um, mm. He also did what is it? He did Dumbo as well. The, the oh yeah, of, yeah, he did. You're right, the Disney yeah. remake of Dumbo. Um, not very but, good. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely associate him now with, with Always Sunny for mm. sure. Me too. It's hard not I to. I can only associate him forever connecting the dots to Batman is as Penguin. That's all I like. I just always see him as, as Penguin from Batman Returns, which is probably still my favorite Batman movie. And um, yeah, Tim Burton yeah. just in fine form. It doesn't happen for me because he looks so different yeah. to his real life appearance. And I guess like for me, my first knowledge of him was twins and that's kind of where i where i come in with with danny but yeah frank reynolds can i offer you an egg in this trying time <laughs> so the moment that matt tilby's been waiting for what is the most 90s moment of space jam well i was gonna say wayne knight but uh it was you, a good time of, for wayne knight well yeah yeah, yeah. Seinfeld. In the peak of his peak of his seinfeld uh hysteria almost and it was just um, the tip of uh, Third Rock from the Sun was starting had just started that year as oh well, yeah, which he played shit. a part in. And Jurassic well, yeah. Park, thank you very much. Well, that was a, that <laughs> yes. was a few years prior, but yeah, yeah he, had, but he was on the coattails of uh, yeah. of that. Dennis Nedry. Um, well, the other one that I was going to talk about was the the Knicks versus the Suns at Madison Square Garden with Dan yes. Castellaneta and Patricia Heaton at courtside. Um, Pretty cool like, moment. <laughs> It's it's the one of the yeah obviously one of the major moments in the film but like you look through the list of players on the court and you just can't see a, a more sort of nineties sort of a, assortment of of NBA talent mm. like that plus obviously Castellaneta who's the voice of Homer Simpson and countless other um, voiceover roles and Patricia Heaton who 
how, correct me if I'm wrong, she hasn't done much since Everybody Loves Raymond? No, nah, she did another show called The Is It The, the Middle? Middle? Yeah, yeah, with um, Neil from um, The Scrubs. Oh, the the Janitor, yeah. Yeah. Janitor. yeah. Neil Flynn, I think. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, don't, I think this was prior to Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't think that started until kind of like 2000 or 99. So yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. how well known she would have been, but yeah. Barkley's killing us. <laughs> Barkley's killing us. Yeah. That's a, that's He's a mine. Peak early 90s phrase there. Yeah. But I did like that moment because, well, what you say about the players, I think the collection of players that they picked for this movie is super 90s. Obviously, mm. you mentioned uh, Ewing and Barkley. We got Larry Johnson, who probably didn't have any NBA moments outside of the 90s. Muggsy Bogues is there. And, of course... I don't know why he's in this movie, but Sean Bradley. <laughs> he is one of the monsters, seriously. Like, yeah. God. He's, act- he's actually got some decent comedy chops with his, like, the lines that he has. They've written it specifically for him as, like, this Mormon uh, kind of reserved guy. He talks about going back onto onto the missionary circuit because when he loses his talent. So I appreciate that he, he did his best. But uh, I-, I feel like they must have cast him and Muggsy Bogues first like let's get this tall guy that looks kind of like an alien and this tiny guy who looks kind of like an alien and then after they had those two they just picked like a bunch of actual all-stars in Larry in Ewing and Charles Barkley I wonder Mm. if that's that was their initial list or if maybe they went to a few other players during Mm. that peak era and they got sort of nipped in the bud like they sort of shot shot it down I'd be very curious to know if that was the the starting five that they envisioned right from the jump or if they had to pivot because a few people said, no, nah, I'm not getting amongst this. I feel like Shaq would have had to have been approached given his like acting career to that point and just how big he was. He, like, I, I think it might have been a role that was too small for him in some ways. Mm. With, yeah, he like, wanted he, to play the role of Jordan, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel like they probably might have canned uh, Vladi Divac after his acting in the middle. Oh, of my God. And then they put the gas masks on. It's like... Yeah. You're getting changed in the hallway and then they put the gas masks on. Oh, my goodness gracious. I think Shaq actually did squeak into the movie at the end, that last scene when the Bulls made their return at United Center. No, actual footage. Yeah. But yeah, aside from the players, the soundtrack for me is super 90s. You mentioned R. Kelly and that, you know, every I Believe I Can Fly, which actually won the Grammy for best, like, soundtrack uh, song written for a soundtrack mm-hmm. you had everybody dance now and y'all ready for this like both of those songs they're kind of like in the pyramid for like NBA warm up yeah like, like jock jams music. Sort of yeah thing. jock jams uh, hit them high you know there's, there's a lot of great tunes in this movie that kind of reek of this kind of as you kind of alluded to at the start of the podcast Brendan like it was a really cool era for the NBA like it was a time kind of you know pre-iverson so it wasn't quite hip-hop but it was that you know real 90s aesthetic that um became like pretty appealing especially mm-hmm. in australia everyone mm-hmm. had their uh, orlando magic merch their charlotte hornets merch without having any idea what the nba even was it, it kind of like yeah i think it captured the um the feel for what the nba was like in the 90s with some of that stuff and especially the music Hundred percent, and they were like in the charts over here for a good long time. I remember watching like video hits and seeing the film clips of these songs playing. Like, um, 
yeah, it was, and that was some pumpers. Like I, I sort of uh, m- maybe found a little bit of my enjoyment in that sort of hip hoppy space off the back of this movie. Now I think about it now, like uh, before that I was very much a, a punky and sort of like rocky pop star type of fella. And then listening to this soundtrack and I guess having it just on the radio, on the television, on the cinema screen, you couldn't escape it. And um, yeah. yeah, I was still sort of bopping my head when I was given a couple of these a spin over the past week or so like there is some cracker tracks on here um hit them high especially like you look at who's in who's sort of on the credits list of that like be real coolio method man ll cool j and buster rhymes like that's 90s sort of rap hip-hop royalty right there and to see that sort of break into like the australian charts when you'd see you know our, our music uh, taste has been pretty pretty vanilla for for most of well at least most of my childhood uh but seeing songs like this make some noise on the airwaves i'm like hell yeah what is going on but i'm i'm digging this in my nikes (laughs) and my uh my my toronto raptors cap and then my charlotte hornet singlet i did have a larry johnson's charlotte hornet singlet for some reason i think because in kuma very limited in what basketball apparel was around so you had to sort of just grab what you could that's pretty obscure for that time Mm mm-hmm they probably just I, I, said, give me a Hornets jersey, and that was the one that came. Yeah. I, I feel like, as well, though, the the theme song, like... Yeah, Space Jam. The, the Quad City DJs, like, this was this it's film was released in, mm. in 96, but it still sounds like something that would have been, like, 91, 92. Like, it's, it's, still, it's still stuck in that early 90s phase, and I think it... It felt weird for me, but it's as much as I like love it, you you just sort of forget about it anyway, because like it's it's such a iconic song. Because it's it's like if you went up to someone and said, you know, um, come on and slam and yeah. welcome to the jam, you'd know exactly what film you're talking about or what song you're Definitely. talking about. Like it it stands the <laughs> test of time for how consider I mean considering how somewhat dated it is. So. Yeah, it's a great sequence, that intro. Like I, I used to just watch that over and over for the Michael Jordan highlights. And now watching it again, it's so grainy and like hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And like there's not actually that many highlights in there. Like there's a there's a couple of his like key plays that he's done over his career, but there's so many that aren't in there that I just you know, I used to assume that they had included all of his like best career highlights, but yeah, watching it now, there's almost nothing in there. But at the time, like you didn't have YouTube. You couldn't just search for like a uh, mixtape as we do now for a player career highlights. And that was pretty much the best offering you had. I got so angry with that opening scene, especially with little, little child Jordan, when he goes up for, you know, he's going to, he envisions he's going to do this big dunk and he, <laughs> he, traveled, like, he takes yeah. 65 steps. I'm like, why didn't Papa Jordan call him on this? You know, like how dare he let this sort of go when he's trying to make his way to, you know, to, to Carolina and then get in the NBA and all this stuff. And yeah, I'm gonna go when to I'm North done, then Carolina. I'm going to go play baseball. <laughs> like, you know, his little, little monologue. Oh, yeah. Man. Weird scene kind of has no relevance after that most of this movie is like that though that's what annoyed me Mm. it's just scene after scene slapped together like the director i can't remember his name joe something or other like this was the last movie he did he got like he was a commercial (laughs) dude and they just said yeah let's let's tackle space jam and then after that they tossed him like he went back to commercials but anyway i dug anyway (laughs) you'll have a chance to vent a bit later brendan but for now we'll go to most iconic scene let's start with matt tilby I'm going to give you three words. Yeah. 
Michael's secret stuff. <laughs> For me, like, it's just such a an odd sort of thing, but like, it sort of ties in perfectly to the the old underdog sort of story. You know that sports movies mm. uh, are so you know drawn to is oh you had it in you all along yeah it's you pretty can, cheesy you, yeah it's cheesy <laughs> but it's it's such a it's a you know a positive thing to do for what is essentially a kids movie yes. it's like you don't need the sports drinks or the, the superpowers you've got it all in you you've got the heart you've got the will you just need a bit of hydration really like it's a bit weird but it's like for me that was the scene where i thought like that was the the, the feeling that you know you can do anything. Like if I was a kid watching this and I'd be like, oh, there's just water. I'd be like, that means I can play for <laughs> an intergalactic basketball team and take down monsters. So yeah, that was it for me. Yeah, si- similar. But I think like at least on my rewatch as well, as far as the most iconic scene was was probably the basketball match itself. Like it took a good long time to get there, but that was my most enjoyable yeah. part of probably the whole movie. And it's a shame that it took roughly an hour to get to that sort of final payoff um, on on the on the water discussion, like I don't know how Gatorade didn't strong arm. Like as you said earlier, they were peddling every sponsor under the sun. Mm. How did that not end up being Gatorade? I don't know how. <laughs> like I'm sure they were throwing money at the at the various producers and people in charge of Space Jam to to get Gatorade as as the as the sort of the secret stuff. But yeah, um, it's hard because it was this movie felt a little devoid of of iconic scenes overall like there was a whole it was just a whole heap of situations playing out one after the other that didn't really impact me the way it probably did when i was a kid so watching it back i think just the the whole basketball match which, which we'll probably talk about in more detail later mm. but um yeah that that's what i sort of threw my my hat onto on this one because yeah that's that's just what i enjoyed the most out of this whole movie you, you could sort of even suggest like the the scene where Jordan just lands in Looney Tunes world or whatever, whatever yeah. they want to call it. Um, and he's be- yes. Yeah, he's being he's being assessed by Daffy Duck and sort of everyone sort of like, you know, looking over and like I felt like that was probably another sort of half iconic scene because it, it's that first time you sort of see mm. the, the juxtaposition between the real world Jordan and the sort of cartoon Looney Tunes. So I thought that was a really sort of... Uh, not groundbreaking because it's been done before and was obviously done afterwards, but it was a, a very sort of um, important, novel, yeah. yeah, novel idea. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the game itself is probably what sticks in the memory. I think, especially the last play between like Bill Murray showing up and the arm stretching, like the the image of Jordan stretching the arm out is probably like the lasting <laughs> imagery of the movie. Uh, and it still gets me. I still quite enjoy that, uh, you know, time after time, you can give it to Jordan at the end of the game and know he's going to get you a bucket. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the game, it's got all those crazy moments where the Looney Tunes actually get to have a bit more fun and drop the pop culture references. You know, there's a Pulp Fiction scene in there. There's just a bunch of zany antics as they start to actually score the ball in the second half. The, my favorite scene rewatching, if I can add this in here, was the golf scene when Larry Bird and Bill Murray are playing with Michael and Bill Murray's just dropping like zinger after zinger, ad-libbing, and it's the most enjoyable part for me. And 
his whole bit about trying to get into the NBA because you know there's yeah. a crisis happening and saying like the NBA needs new talent yeah <laughs> saying like Larry's not white Larry's clear like yeah. that that line always 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 makes you think man that is so clever I don't know what's so funny about it but it just works and then when like Wayne Knight has uh, sorry Stan has the camera and Bill Murray's like what kind of camera is that can yeah. I see that don't point that lens at me <laughs> close the lens cap yeah that that gets me I just think Bill Murray saves this for the adults that are watching 100% he's he's mm. just about the best part of this whole movie for me mm. every scene he's in is is fantastic and it's just yeah Bill Murray having fun like and mm. you can see that he's clearly enjoying himself being amongst this elite sporting company and he's just making the best of some very awkward situations from the other <laughs> other quote-unquote actors in the scene yeah and then just, like they're driving away the golf cart and he's like i'm gonna give us a two back there we were in no sp- sp- in no metal state. space to uh <laughs> you know yeah I, I like that they continued to play golf after michael just disappeared but yeah. i just love that right <laughs> at the end um jordan's like you know what you might actually have what it takes from that assist to be in the nba he's like well no nah, i'm this is my chance to announce my full retirement from basketball. I was like, that's the perfect sort of swap around of, of roles there. I was like, that's yeah. really good uh, from Bill Murray. <laughs> All right. So what holds up the best if there's something that hasn't been said? Yeah, I just, my notes, I wrote any scene starring Bill Murray and then yep. also the soundtrack. It is a banger. I'm going to probably annoy you guys a little bit. I'm going to say the animation. It, it, it does... <laughs> John yeah. is just ro- no, eyes I'm roll thinking, so far. No, 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 no. I was just thinking. Yeah, some of it. I think some of it does hold up kind of well. Like, I think there have been worse movies made in the last sort of two to three years with like movies that'll have worse green screening and animation than mm. this does have at the moment. Particularly when the the nerd lucks turn into the monsters and they sort of start growing their arms and the, the yeah, that was cool. shapes of the face like that was scary like (laughs) even for me i was like oh okay like it wasn't like i'm gonna piss my pants but it was like oh it gave me a little bit of a a jump back so i was like okay that's that's a bit different so those sorts of you know animation styles that they tried to to bring into it was actually kind of cool but it was made i think that was enhanced too by the fact that you can't really find a 4k 1080p version of this thing anywhere so the graphical fidelity is scaled back regardless (laughs) comparative to some of the other animations like because i was watching it on dvd found it found a copy jb hi-fi four dollars 65 if anyone's interested in finding themselves a copy but yeah you can certainly see it's a step back from from current day animations whether it be computer generated or, or sort of hand-drawn style but yeah i'll admit it some of it did look cool and, and that transition when they became the monsters was awesome I don't get how you can bounce a ball so hard that it'd rip up the ground and everything the way it does, but mm. you know it is what it is. It happens in in Looney Tunes land, so uh, yeah. Yeah, they also have, like they transform with no clothes on, and then they have their uniforms on. I noticed this time around, but hey, <sighs> we're nitpicking nits here. It's, uh, it's not the time to do. <laughs> that. There's a not there's a lot of nitpicking regarding uniforms in this in this film. Don't get me started. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the green screening was a bit jarring when they would show like a full body shot of like Stan or Michael Jordan standing next to, like standing on that Looney Tunes court. That's looked kind of yeah, weird sometimes. Yeah. And in, yeah, and in the gym. Yeah, but as well as the stadium. But yeah, for the most part, yeah, it's it's not as bad as it probably could have been given 
the time that's passed and the you know progress that's been made since then. Uh, I, similar to Brendan, had Bill Murray holding up the best. There's a line that I've always loved and it's still funny to me when he asks Stan what he's doing and he says, I'm uh, fixing a divot. And then <laughs> it still gets me. I think I think I, I genuinely think that that's a clever line. And the dude's just like, oh yeah, okay, he's fixing a divot. <laughs> the whole like virus shutting down the NBA season, I think that holds up really well because we've just seen it happen in real life. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> How did I so, not connect that rewatching this? How did I not at all? My God, that went completely over my head. Yeah. And like as uh, I, I can't remember the player it was with Floody saying that, you know, bacteria like that can travel faster than the speed of light. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that holds up in the I age d- of coronavirus. I doubt, it. I doubt it, but it sounded good because I, I remember that. I'm like, oh, damn, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's that's it for what holds up the best. The Fixing the divot, Bill Murray, the virus shutting down the league, that's, that's aged well. Uh, what holds up the worst? Oh, my goodness. All right. So, like, the story overall is is a bit of a tough watch there are so many plot holes and so many things with little to no payoff um just like i've got a laundry list of of notes i don't want to go through every single thing here but Give us like, the greatest hits the, okay some greatest hits ones obviously they make such a big deal about getting jordan his shorts and they they do that <laughs> whole scene and then literally two minutes later they give him a toon squad uniform anyway like it was just a wasted, Hold wasted up. segment there. Like, I Hold know up they're a trying... second. He, he wears those shorts underneath, underneath his, actual, his playing shorts. actual shorts, which he di- actually did in real life under his Bulls shorts. He always wore his North Carolina shorts. So that was actually taken okay. from real life. So I'll give I'm them a pass. I'm still allowed to be angry. I'll give them a I'll... pass on that. It <laughs> was a weird diversion, though, to be like, oh, let's send them into the house to interact with the kids as if that's somehow meaningful. And then it's kind of just that they never show up until the end of the movie. Yeah. That's it. Like, um, <laughs> why, why did why did Bugs Bunny wait until the dying seconds of the game to let Michael Jordan know about the tune physics? Why wouldn't they have yes. you've told him the second they landed in <laughs> in like there? Because then, then they could have put like ten thousand points on the Monstars, no doubt. But instead, it's like last play of the game. By the way, there's tune physics here. It's not like it is on Earth. And Bugs, what are you doing? You had one job. Like, I don't get that. The professional actors trying to act. The players, yeah. Yeah, sorry, not professional actors. Professional athletes, I should say, from my notes here. Mixed results, obviously, which we've talked about. The unnecessary sort of sex appeal they pump through the thing for Lola Bunny. Yeah, and like, that's it for me. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. Like, my God, it just like, obviously, they, they're bringing her in on the back of, well, we need a female Bugs Bunny for this marketing campaign and to sell merchandise. So as, as you rattle off them figures earlier, Jono, like mm. mission, mission successful, but like... They play yeah, the Kenny like, G saxophone kind of music every time yeah. she does something. Like cat calls from the crowd, uh, bugs going stiff as a board. Uh, you know, there's there's talk <laughs> yeah. about erectile yeah. dysfunction in, in Ewing's <laughs> psychology session. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, sort of um, uh, everybody loves Raymond's wife, whose name now escapes me, implying that the, the nerd lucks are like themselves off under the trench coat. Like there's so many weird, unnecessary like boner and references and sex references in this movie where i'm like why like i know sort of they try and do this with kids movies to make it more appealing to adults but it just felt like it had no reason to be there and why is lola bunny the only looney tune that wears shoes none of the the rest of them don't play in shoes at all they're all barefoot but lola's in some kicks as well like what is going on here who's running this team 
<laughs> what and why is there no bench for the monsters yet the looney tunes can have what 13 players on the bench <laughs> like what is going on the basketball purity just thrown out the window <laughs> yeah. yeah um there's more but i'll leave it at that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i agree lola bunny is is the thing that holds up the worst for me i think looney tunes i've just written down here looney tunes aren't really a group that really needs sex appeal like it, it just <laughs> it seems like a such a, sh- a shoehorned idea a 90s idea that uh, a, a tried and tested into institution like the looney tunes needed some real like it's vince mcmahon thinking like it is we're yeah. gonna give it a attitude era shake up a fresh coat of paint with some you know anthropomorphized you know sexy bunny like it just doesn't make sense and sort of making bugs bunny who normally throughout this film is a, is a pretty sort of you know smart wisecracking kind of kind of guy who you know does, you know lives by his own rules he's sort of just like blinkered for for lola bunny so it just it sort of takes away from the the traditional sort of feeling of looney tunes and i guess mm-hmm. you know the idea that she has to be this you know i can do everything don't call me doll sort of um I, I guess kind of woman is is very much a a time capsule of the 90s like every sort of movie that had that sort of idea it, it just didn't come off very well so yeah it just didn't work for me yeah i mean i i think that including her was a good idea like i think through all the looney tunes there's not like they're all kind of male i don't know about um uh Tweety Bird, if Tweety Bird's male or female, I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to have to check the canon on that. Does anyone yeah, know? Yeah, outside of that, it's like Granny and then also that poor cat that's trying to get raped by Pepe Le Pew all the time. Yes. Like, they're the only representations <laughs> yes, exactly. of females on, yes. like, in so, the tunes. So, giving it, uh, so adding that female character, obviously, you know, the merchandising is a big part of it. And, you know, she's empowered, obviously, as a character, but it kind of falls apart at the end when Bugs just decides he's going to lay a big kiss on her. You know, no consent. Obviously, we're overanalyzing <laughs> this with our, um, you know, our social justice goggles on. But she suddenly turns around and she's, after being fighting off his advances for the whole movie, she's like thrilled and stoked that he's just put one on her. And it kind of like undoes all the like, you know, femme fatale mm-hmm. kind of like build up that they do to give her this strong will. And it's like, oh, come on, you just kind of, you did kind of just make her bugs's love interest and nothing more despite like the potential she was the best player on the team besides michael they set that up so well and then it just kind of yeah so a bit of a fail and but you know i know a lot of uh people have said lola was their kind of like first cartoon crush i wonder if that was like <laughs> kicking off the, the fairy phase for some people but jessica yeah. rabbit probably for, for me but yeah what is from, it about uh, those rabbits? from roger rabbit yeah but she was a like she was a female cartoon character called Jessica Rabbit. But she was the first one I think yeah, I noticed as right. a kid, and I was like, "Woof, okay, what is these feelings?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think most of the Looney Tunes in general didn't hold up great. Like as far as the humor goes, if you actually watch the Bugs Bunny cartoons, Daffy Duck, Marvin the Martian, like I still quite enjoy those old cartoons. They're clever, they're funny, they subvert expectations. This movie doesn't manage to pull that off, really. I think that it's very, like... I know it's a cartoon, but it's, like, lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the, you know, such and such fell over or, like, said a catchphrase or something. There's not a lot of genuine 
laughs to come from the Looney Tunes, so I don't think that holds up so well. We have a new category for this episode of Comedy Rewind. We have, coming off The Last Dance, the most MJ moment. I don't know if you guys have prepared anything for this, but for me, coming back to the NBA because Sean Bradley says he doesn't have it anymore. That is the most MJ moment. <laughs> you know, I, I he, just, had... he just gives that look and he's like, huh, I'm about to drop 60 on you. Yeah, yeah. I, I had in my notes, yeah, motivation from Sean Bradley trash talk is my uh, is my MJ moment. That's what it became personal. Um, I, I think for me, it's the the constant barbs at, at, um, at Chuck or, or sort of uh, Charles Barkley um, naming the dog Charles and, you know, Oh, you've got your, your talent back, the the little bit you yeah. had, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Still salty about like, that MVP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's he's taking it out not only on the court, but he's using a, a, a feature film to, to rag on Charles Barkley, which I feel is a little, a little harsh, but yeah. <laughs> okay, least MJ moment. I think the idea that in the press conference where he retires, he immediately says he's going to go play baseball. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to go play baseball. Oh, I used to be a, a catcher, but I don't think I can do that. So I'll just be no, a No, used to be a pitcher. Why not? He's, he's a pitcher, but you can't pitch anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, 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 obviously, having watched The Last Dance and knowing about his, his career, we, we get that idea now, but it just, it's, it's shoehorned in in a way that makes it accessible for a, a, this cartoon audience. So, yeah. yeah, it just wasn't up to the sort of standards that we all knew from from Jordan. Brendan. Mine um my first one was him actively taking advice from his young son about his baseball swing stance when he's like, you know, if you only spread your legs a little or whatever, you you'll yeah. you pitch up and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that like actually sort of it felt like he took that on board and he was going to implement that. And then secondly, the fact that there was no gambling on that golf course, like you know full well he was he was sort of making side bets with everybody on that course. And we yeah. saw none of that. He's in the he's in the trees somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. He would have um, he would have had some money on, like you know, put some money in against Thwackhammer or something on the side of that uh, game at the end too, without the you know, commissions that look into probably fixing games and gambling. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the least MJ moments. I had a couple, the coaching strategy. Uh, we saw in the last dance how he motivated his teammates. And it wasn't by giving inspirational speeches in the locker room and giving them secret could stuff. You, could you imagine him going like real life MJ yes. on Bugs Bunny or like Yosemite Sam? Like, use a bitch, use a bitch, yeah. use a bitch. Like, just punches out one of them. Yeah. Just punches like Elmer Fudd right in the face. That would be great. Yeah. Who's the, um, who's the Scott Burrell of the Looney Tunes? Probably Daffy, say. Yeah. <laughs> the other one was uh, giving the players back their talent at the end of the movie. <laughs> Real life Jordan would have just been like, I'm putting my hand on this ball. Why isn't this talent coming into me? You know? Yeah. He just swaps it out with a fake ball. Yeah. Like it's, he just keeps one at home, like all seeing ball power. <laughs> but that's it. So yeah, I thought that would be a fun one to throw in there. Who would be most offended? Is there anything in this movie that's offensive? I think we covered it. Like the closest thing regarding the offensiveness would be tied to Lola Bunny and how she's portrayed and yeah, sort of just at the end where she just 
gives up and embraces bugs after him forcing himself on her i think that's as that's as close to who'd be offended in in my opinion would just be the representation Mm -hmm. of females because outside of her and and granny they're the only looney tunes you deal with and i did confirm tweety bird is a a male sorry not a female so yes okay there you go um i was gonna say uh anyone who really sort of lives by the rules in, in an actual NBA game, because if you watch that game and you see the amount of violence mm-hmm. and I mean, cartoon or not, like so many people are getting tech fouls or ejected oh, yeah. from this They're using game. explosives like, and things in this, like everything goes. goes. There's, a, yeah. there's a scooter on the, on the court. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all over the place. And I think someone who comes into this who's a, a big you know nba fan and watches games every day and 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 sees this even though it is supposed to be a cartoon they've been like but didn't he like surely he would have got a foul for elbowing or body slamming wayne knight like that it just yeah it's it's very weird yeah marvin martian really dropped the ball as the ref i think but yeah a bit, a bit biased personally if he's a, a looney tune you've got to get enough he's also an alien though you see so i think mm-hmm. that's why they picked him he's kind of in feet, feet okay, in both cool. camps maybe he yeah, yeah. True. maybe he frequented uh, more on mountain as a youngster who knows but yeah there's a moment yeah. where like daffy passes the ball to the granny she's like sitting on the bench obviously as a cheerleader and all the players jump on her even though she's clearly out of bounds and it's a turnover yeah like, that's unnecessary <laughs> violence i have to say against an, an elder uh, elder mm-hmm. abuse and leaving the court too yeah. like you can... <laughs> there's something a bit more serious than these ones there's the allegories of slavery that are kind of running through the whole thing and then yeah. specifically Michael Jordan as an like an animated to the kind of narration of, of Danny DeVito describing, you know, how they're going to chain him up, force him to sign autographs and, and play one-on-one. And that's kind of, especially with like some of what's come out about figures like Donald Sterling, the Clippers' former owner, and some of these kind of villainous NBA people who have kind of treated... Their pl- the players on their teams as if they own them and that's kind of in bad taste but I know it probably wasn't it's a bit of an oversight that they used that specific imagery but that's definitely something that people have pointed out over the years mm. Mm. 100% on that mm. uh, so does Space Jam mm. pass the internet relevancy test it does not I cannot think of any gif or meme or anything like that that i've seen in circulation or that i've used or that (laughs) i've had come up in conversation or seen while trolling the internet and i even sort of went okay let's let's do a search uh like a gif search just to see if there is anything that maybe i just completely like uh, glazed over but no i i don't think it does in regards to to sort of that side um maybe from a a wider broader perspective potentially but yeah i I just don't feel that it does i don't know tilby have you got any anything to to counteract i saw you sort of look up very shocked slash slightly (laughs) angered there so i mean you got something to return serve well look as much as i'd love to say that the actual movie uh passes the test i don't think the actual movie does um i'm sort of in the same boat like i've i've used a couple of gifs but purely to more promote other things like uh, the podcasts that we do or use them in a, in a with things, but it's, there's nothing really iconic 
that sticks out in sort of gifable form. Um, however, the theme song is the the breeding ground, so to speak, over the last maybe like ten to fifteen years for mashups and and memes to be made out of that. Like, I don't know if you saw it, Brendan. Like, I posted in our, our um, Hoop Dreams chat uh, of the mashup between the the Space Jam theme and Carry On My Way with Sun by Kansas, and it meshes so perfectly. And it's I feel like that was the the sort of the start of people using um, that internet culture and sort of mashup meme culture. Um, so while the actual film probably doesn't, parts of it do, like the the theme song, maybe even the jerseys being, like I said earlier, being sort of more readily available. That, that's a good pull. I'll and, give you that. But I, I also, yeah. anytime I see someone wearing them, I'm just I sort of shudder slightly. I'm like, <laughs> are, you, are you going to a fancy dress concert or are you wearing that willingly? <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brendan, you're definitely right. There is one kind of gif that I, I I've used and seen and it's like the dramatic zoom up to Bill Murray where he says perhaps I can be of some assistance and that's like a nice one to use as like a reaction on Twitter or something if someone asks for some help with something you can just be like yo but I, I think because the as I mentioned before the script for this movie the, the dialogue is just like drilled into my brain that kind of comes to mind for me where it mm-hmm. probably doesn't for the majority of the internet so it's hard to argue in favor of this one so how would smartphones and social media change Space Jam? I don't know if there'd be much difference, especially since we're talking about cartoon characters. I think everyone would film the spaceship at the end of the movie when it just rocks up at the baseball game. <laughs> everyone that's, would have their phone. That's about up, the but... only thing. Like, like I, This was the hardest one for me to answer, I think, because yeah, I don't know what would change. Yeah, there'd just be some more reporting about mj going missing and whatever else and and that would be blasted across the airwaves a lot quicker um Mm -hmm. outside of that i don't know i had a really hard time coming up with anything of note so i'm just going to sort of deflect this one because i got nothing um i i sort of think like there was the scene when he comes home from the game and watches the tv and the, the reporter's like Oh, you need a tennis racket. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Your, your swing is terrible. Like, that probably would have been replaced with him getting tweets, like terrible tweets of him being like, MJ sucked, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't want to look at this sort yeah. of thing. Like, it, w- it would have been replaced with him being more prevalent about his sort of um, his public standing on social media, I think. Uh, but other than that, like, there might have been like a, a burner account joke, <laughs> but that's about it. Like, that's a good pull. Um, yeah, there'd be like a Stephen A. Smith viral clip of him oh like talking. About oh yeah. Stephen A. Well, well, that'll that'll happen in the next film. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll surely discuss yeah. soon. So yeah, on on that discussion, unrelated to this question, but like the house that they reckon MJ lives in, just like modern average house in suburbia, no no fenced area, no gated yeah. community, and then they're watching <laughs> telly on like a twenty inch screen. I'm like, come on, come on now. This is this is <laughs> yeah. crap. Yeah, he'd have a bigger TV than that in his bathroom, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. But I, I did say, I was watching it with my family. I said to dad, like, no, it's not his real wife. It's not his real kids. It's definitely not his yeah. real house. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard because like his, that... his actual house is so iconic. It's got the big 23 gate on the front. Yeah. How different would the movie have been if it, he comes from home from his baseball game to the, the big 23 gate and it's like... Uh, are we supposed to sympathize with this man yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. 
and you know i guess while we're talking about that stan wayne knight's character driving him around we know that he had like his boys his entourage who would have been taking care of him mm-hmm. uh old united center security guards maybe pulled them over <laughs> mr perfect security <laughs> <Yeah>. guard <laughs> he would have been gambling uh, he would have taken every last dollar that oh, Stan yeah. had i think he probably owns that car that stan was driving they <laughs> yeah. just never talk about it on on camera so could you make this movie in 2020 and what would that version look like? Well, LeBron James has the answer. Yes, you can. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know. Do we know the cast at this point? I think it's been rumored, hasn't it? It's it's still I mean, all yeah, apart pretty from rumored, LeBron, yeah. like okay. Yeah. I'm I'm sure like it's going to be a bit different because obviously LeBron didn't go and play baseball no. or whatnot, but um it's tough to see how that movie's going to pan out, but I'm hoping that there's going to be, you know, maybe a, a Wayne Knight cameo or if Bill Bill Murray comes in again somehow. But Yeah, I wonder how much they'll... I think they have to kind of go with a pretty fresh storyline. I don't think it can be, you know... It's obviously going to be a basketball game. It's going to have Looney Tunes. It's going to be playing against aliens. I think everything else is going to be kind of starting from scratch with this. Uh, Don mm. Cheadle's apparently in it, and but they've all also announced who's starring as Savannah James and LeBron Bronny James Jr. Uh, they've they've mentioned a few players like Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, and Kyle Kuzma, as well as some WNBA players. Uh, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty sparse. Like they they started doing principal photography last year, but I think they started getting into things in March. But then obviously with COVID, they've sort of put the brakes on it for now. So yeah, right. We'll see. We'll see, but yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing: like, obviously, Bill Murray was probably more prevalent for that time. Who do you guys think could be the the 2020 Space Jam two sort of Bill Murray? Kevin Harvey. That's exactly where really? I was going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's at every celebrity All Star game just about for the last ten years. I think he's won the most celebrity All Star game MVPs of anyone without actually doing anything on the court of any value. Um, yeah, and like, he's he's obviously got like a good rapport with a lot of NBA players. We see him in, in clips. Like he just did this thing with J.R. Smith that was pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. They went to like a bathhouse and he took off his shirt and he had like all of J.R. Smith's tattoos on like a, a bodysuit. That's a bit nicer than the last yeah. <laughs> J.R. Smith video I saw where he was kicking the piss out of a guy trying yeah. to steal his car. <laughs> yes, I, I just saw that on TMZ. But um, yeah, I, um, I think that Kevin Hart being kind of the, the draw card to to that kind of film as well would work. I See, I I feel like it, it... Obviously, Kevin Hart probably resonates more with an NBA sort of audience, but for me, like, if you're going to go with someone who sort of fits the mould of, of, you know, a little bit older, a little bit sort of poor... Are you going to say Will Ferrell? Best... No, I was going to say um, Seth Rogen. I thought about that. I can't see really see Seth Rogen and LeBron hanging out that much, you know. This like the guy. Could you see Michael Jordan and and Bill Murray hanging? Yeah, because Bill Murray's a Chicago guy. Like he's he was always at the Bulls games, and he's a you know pretty. I don't know. He's six foot two. He's a he's a big dude. I'm sure he played a bit of basketball in his day. <laughs> but Seth Rogen's reputation as like if he's playing real life Seth Rogen, it's a guy who smokes a bunch of weed. Like I don't know if him and LeBron are hanging out too often hey man he's a changed man have you seen his twitter no, he's a changed he man. is going to war with everybody and it's beautiful <laughs> yeah <clears throat> anyway i guess we'll find out soon enough 
we're going to close out the podcast with, well, we've still got a couple more categories, but I want to dive a bit deeper into the useless trivia for this one because Deadspin, uh, rest in peace. Does Deadspin still exist? No, rest in peace. They did an amazing breakdown of the box score of Space Jam. I don't know if you guys have ever read this. <laughs> and there's it's a it's kind of aggregated based on if it was a 48-minute game. Uh, Jordan's usage rate, 44%, uh, <laughs> which means for the non-NBA listeners that he used 44% of his team's possessions. And for a comparison's sake, he points out here that that's uh, a bit higher than the current... NBA season record, which was Kobe's 39% in 2006, as of the article publishing a few years ago, MJ in real life was 38%. So it's a, it's a lot of ball for one guy. Uh, <laughs> Marvin the Martian, he's pointed out here on Deadspin, exhibited little control over proceedings, whistling no personal fouls on either team. It's unclear whether his extraterrestrial exactly. origins biased him in favor of the alien visitors looking the other way as the tunes players were flattened, stomped, and dismembered, but the non-calls appeared to even out in the end. Blanco, the Sean Bradley monster, failed to register a single stat throughout the course of the game. Even in a world where Elmer Fudd has a 40-inch vertical, Bradley's talent <laughs> can muster, can't muster even a shot attempt. This is the most realistic aspect of the movie. So great uh, little breakdown there. It's got the full box score. Uh, you might be surprised to know there was only one field goal attempt for the whole game that resulted in a miss. The uh, the, the Looney Tunes went 39 from 39 and the Monstars went 34 from 35. Yeah, and like where was the timeout in the second half on that 48-2 run? Like what is going <laughs> on here? Like the Monstars just let them go and yeah, come on now. Yeah. Should have seen the signs when they were up 18 to kind of one-sided, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, one of Jordan's great games of his career. It's up there with uh, you know the flu game, shrug, last shot. <laughs> the Space Jam game. He went 22 from 22. Oh, man. No assists. Course, um... No assists. Bugs Bunny was the only player on the Looney Tunes that had any assists. Hey, he Bill three. Murray got one too. Uh, they they yeah. didn't count that as an assist because I think MJ took like five or six steps Duh. after that. But sports sports center counted it, and that's what counts. <laughs> like that. <laughs> one, he's had spent like one minute on the court and got possibly the most crucial assist in basketball history. <laughs> yeah, he went out on top. That's for sure. This brings us to the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi, a real spark plug. I think it has to go to Bill Murray. There's not really anyone else that is used sparingly enough to be qualified. Maybe the NBA players, but I don't think any of them really have a chance. Who do you think was the best uh, of the kind of the five actors between Chuck, Ewing, you know, those crew? Maybe Muggsy Bogues. Maybe just for the fact that he has to fake like he's walking when he's in a wheelchair because he was injured in real life. It looks so weird, doesn't it? Scenes where they hit their head on on the... the right, like the door frame in the hospital. So yeah, he kind of is, yeah, that was genuine. He's kind of like yeah. bobbing his head like <laughs> <Yeah>. he's walking. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a tie between Muggsy and and I was going to say even Sean Bradley because the, the the scenes when he's uh, going to the the shrink and and sort of saying well, I could, you know, go back to the go go back to the farm and and, and see my mama and all that sort of stuff I was like, yeah, it's convincing enough. Like yeah he pretty much did that too by the way like after he retired and up to now he's living on a farm living the mormon life 
There's a great documentary about him. It's like a short. It's like 12 or 13 minutes if you can track it down. Basically saying he doesn't really care that he got dunked on by every great player in the NBA. (laughs) He He made his his millions. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He he also averaged like three blocks a game for a lot of his career. So... When you're that tall, you'd hope so, though, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have to do much. <laughs> he looks like an alien as well. Like I said before, he was probably the first person they cast. But he, like, when he dunks it at the end of the movie, and he just like kind of grabs the ring with both hands and hangs on it, it's like, yeah, you're not from this planet. <laughs> He's doing a Boban. He just doesn't have to get off the floor. He just sort of stands up and just dunks it anyway. And so he and Muggsy were probably the only two that the the Monstars were accurately modeled after in their sort of in their physique. Yes. Like I, I know that they probably foretold the future with Charles Barkley and did a big big fat orange <laughs> orange version of himself, but like the other guys, yeah, don't resemble that that shape at all. Like Ewing Ewing's obviously a mountain of a beast of a man, but then they just staunch him out obviously to make it a little bit more intimidating. But yeah. Um Bradley and Mo, uh, Bogues are the only two I think where there's some loose caricature work there to t- attach them together yeah they definitely mm. went heavy on the bigs yeah definitely I was going to say um, before you move on obviously our friend of, of Hoop Dream Seth Rosenthal did a, an excellent rewinder episode on um, the, the crucial play of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of Space Jam and, and sort of does a it was intended more for an April Fool's Day episode because obviously the rewinder series is, is definitely about sort of real sort of clutch yes. plays in in sports history but um you know it, it, he does it in in such a way that you you'd think it was believable it's actually quite funny so um we might link that later um when this video or episode goes up but uh, yeah it's it's a lot of fun to watch all right is space jam still a good movie brendan not really no <laughs> it is not <laughs> uh that is what it is it's just feels like uh an hour like a hour and a half marketing campaign for Michael Jordan and, and the Looney Tunes. Like it was, was fun as a kid, but rewatching it now and being critical and observant of all these things that they try and feed in there unnecessarily or otherwise just, yeah, really, really grinded my gears. So um, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm a big Tassie, like, I don't know how this weaves in at all, but I love Tassie devil, but to play him at the five, what the hell are you doing? Like, there's much larger, taller Looney Tunes out there, but you put the the Wayward Tasmanian Devil as your starting center. Like, yeah, he's God. your shooting guard, surely. Like, if you're gonna play this properly, he's your Pat Beverly kind of like getting the other team's face. And where's Gossamer? Like, you play him at the center, the the big orange furry. Oh yeah, he was in the audience. Guy. I think you play him at the center. Like, yeah, you'd be set. Or Foghorn Leghorn. He's a pretty tall glass of water. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, missed opportunity. I think Jordan was coaching the team and we know he's not the best evaluator of talent. <laughs> <laughs> Another MJ moment. Uh, I, yeah. I have to say, I'm going to say it's a good movie if you're a child because the kids that I watched it with really, really liked it. It wasn't even the first time they'd seen it. They wanted to watch it again and they still really enjoyed it. Uh, if you're a huge Michael Jordan fan like I am, there's some novelty and like... Like knowing, like kind of as Tilby said before, knowing the backstory of the Last Dance and that kind of thing, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, him play baseball and making kind of making light of his lack of of ability compared to his NBA career. Like the Monsters are going, oh, baseball player now, like you know that kind of thing, and even the players at the end are making fun of him. So it's there's you know 
maybe watching it every f- like 10 years is okay but with kids especially but if it's just like a good movie on this list of comedy rewind episodes no it's not it's not up there despite bill murray and wayne knight being like fantastic i think mm. yeah look i i think it, it for me having watched this for the f- i guess one of the first times that i could really remember like i said i'd I'd watched it when it sort of came out, but I was you know maybe four or five at the time. I think it still holds up. I'm I'm gonna die on this hill. Mm. I'm gonna say it still holds up. Um, In like comparison sort of said, to what though? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to put that next to like Toy Story four or like you know something Moana. This you know Coco. These kinds of movies and be like, yeah, that's equivalent it's it's just it's it's hard <laughs> it might hold up to that what was that basketball movie that little bow wow starred in like, like mike, mike yeah, yeah something like that i'd probably prefer watching this over that but that's not saying much either <laughs> Airbud. well we should have watched Airbud. um i i think given that revival for the the sudden appreciation for mj obviously the last dance and whatnot i think fans of basketball can enjoy it if it is you know a little bit morbidly um for you guys at least but i think yeah that that younger audience is probably it's more geared to um even if it is you know throwing in lola bunny and some weird jokes and things like that for audiences that probably won't get them but i think it's it's passable i think it's 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 you know it holds up to a degree but i think you know it'll be interesting to see whether space jam 2 sort of you know improves on it in that sort of theory and it'll also be interesting to see how the uh the greatest of all time debate sort of <laughs> rages on over who had the better uh space jam movie because i feel like <laughs> that's going to become the new sort of factor in in their sort of you know rivalry mm. i think i think space jam 2 can be good i don't think it's going to be doomed by this the uh you know how this movie turned out there's obviously been rumors of this movie for like at least 10 years if not longer or ev- probably even longer before LeBron was maybe the candidate to to be the star of it. And I think that length of time, you would hope that they've put together a script that actually works rather than just rush together something that looks like an ad like the first one did. Did you see some of the options they were toying with with the sequel? Did you see that they were entertaining doing a sequel with Jackie Chan as the lead? Oh. And also they were going to do one called Skate Jam and have Tony Hawk in it? I would watch that. <laughs> I'd watch the <laughs> shit out of that. Yeah, but no, I think LeBron will do do good in it. He's 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 a more likable fella than MJ. That's for damn sure. Like he'd be a better actor too. Yeah, yeah, and and someone like they should bring in someone like Blake Griffin, who's a who's a very talented mm. man on camera, a lot of personality, very large in yeah. life, and has good comedic chops. I think he'd he'd be good to get a little bit of an extended role in uh, Space Jam too. Yeah, I mean, mm. I think the sun's gone down on him as far as being one of those most like relevant nba players but he's definitely got comedy chops that not many nba players do so mm. I'd, i wouldn't mind seeing blake anyway that is space jam we finally did it uh you can of course let Don't us sound know. so sad about it <laughs> <laughs> you can let us know what you thought of the episode with uh you know itunes reviews or i guess apple podcast reviews Podchaser reviews you can let us know on social medias mm. what you thought of space jam or how it lives on in your memory. You can catch me on Twitter and all socials at Jono himself. 
Uh, Brendan, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me everywhere at Brendan8bit. And Matt Tilby. You can find me pretty much everywhere at It's Tilby. Fantastic. And I think we should probably take this opportunity to talk a bit about our new Hoop Dreams merchandise. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, yes. Brendan, you could take that and maybe the, the charitable side of what we're doing with that too 100 percent. so uh yeah if you head on over to shop 8bit.net uh you'll get access to our official web store we have just launched the hoop dreams pocket print uh it is in a t-shirt and will be in a hoodie variety by the time you're listening to this as well and what we are doing uh between now and july 31 is every single dollar generated via uh, that sort of web store sales as well as every dollar generated via patreon.com forward slash we are 8-bit is getting donated directly to the uh, Black Lives Matter movement that is occurring across the world and this is going to be dispersed across charities both here in Australia as well as the USA just to try and do our part to help out and try and spread awareness for something that has been been lingering for a good long time but now Mm. it's at the forefront and uh, hopefully we're going to have some positive change off the back of it so yeah every dollar that you can throw towards us for the next uh, six or seven weeks is going directly to that cause we ain't taking a cent Mm, very good stuff fantastic stuff of course that's A-T-E-B-I-T for 8-Bit so you can get into the Patreon and the merch to help us out but also help out some very worthy causes for the next couple of months so again thank you guys for joining us on Comedy Rewind thank you the listeners for joining us on Comedy Rewind until next episode be kind <laughs>